You're listening to the Growing Up Rock Podcast with your host, Stephen Michael and Sonny Hollywood Pooney. Hey, hey, what's going on, Sonny, my man? Stephen, what's up, man? So, rumor is you went to Tesla for the eighth time this year. That's right, the 18th time this year. I, Tesla is much like kisses for you, my friend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, it's only, it's only, truthfully, it's only the second time and it's only the first time this year where I'm seeing them headlined. So I'm getting, oh, the, they headlined. Yeah. I'm getting the full on Tesla show. Yeah. They were, they were doing a headlining tour. So they came through Atlanta and played, uh, Atlanta symphony hall, uh, here in town on Sunday. Oh, that's sweet. So yeah, it was great because I mean, the first time they came through town with Def Leppard and REO Speedwagon and they canceled, somebody got sick, they canceled that show. Um, the second time they rolled through town with Def Leppard and Poison and I got stuck in traffic and ended up missing 10 minutes of their 30 minute set. So, so I saw 20 minutes. So I was bummed out because, you know, I like me some Tesla. So I took the took the advantage of um, them coming into Atlanta headlining and I got a hold of their publicist and said, Grown Up Rock wants to write a concert review. Um, and she set me up with a press pass and a photo pass. And uh, I went down and I'll have a review coming up on growinguprock.com with pictures and everything. So I'll do a review of the concert. People can go to growinguprock.com and check out the pictures and read the concert review of how the show was. I enjoyed it. It was good. I like Tesla. That's cool. Now you didn't have to work this show. They didn't play at a at the venue you usually work at. No, I just actually I, I have worked at this venue before, but I uh, I wasn't working. I I decided not to work. I can I can basically uh, work whatever shows I want. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. So I d- I didn't want to work this show. I wanted to attend this show. So I didn't sign. Who opened? So they had two openers. They had this one band called um, Voices of Extreme. And then they had this second band called Weapons of Anew. I've never heard of either one of them. So the first band, (laughs) Weapons of Extreme, they were okay. They were a three-piece. They both only played 30 minutes. Um, Voices of Extreme did a cover of... We won't fit fooled again by the who at the end of their set. And I thought they did it pretty well and it was good. Um, so I think they did an okay job of being first on a bill of three. I think they did a decent job to kind of get the crowd going. The second band. Yeah, that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> so, the, so the second band's called weapons of a new Dude, between me, you, and the podcast listening audience, they blew. I didn't like them at all, man. And in fact, 10 minutes, 15 minutes into the set, I got up and I went out into the lobby. And the lobby was full of people that basically voiced the same opinion as me. So I know it wasn't just me. And are these guys local bands or is it like Jägermeister hooking these three bands up or... Mm definitely not local they're not local they were they're torn with with tesla they're on the oh. bill with tesla wow um and weapons of a news they're sort of like i would classify them as sort of a new metal band which that should tell you all you need to know but they're kind of like alter bridge only maybe a little heavier let me frame that 
I'm not a huge Alter Bridge fan, but I think they're okay. This band, the only reason I say they remind me of Alter Bridge is is strictly because it's sort of like new metal. I don't, I shouldn't compare them to Alter Bridge because that's not doing Alter Bridge a favor. <laughs> so. New metal is hit and miss for me too. I, I I love Disturbed, but like I could give and take events sevenfold. I love Kill Switch. Yeah, but then there's you know other bands maybe I don't like so much. So it just you know it depends. Yeah, so this uh, I'll I'll leave it at this because we're spending way too much time on a band that blows. So <laughs> so I'll leave it at this. I didn't like them, uh, and that's just me. So so on with Tesla and Tesla did a good job. And like I said, people can go to the website and read the concert review. It should be up in the uh, next, well, it'll be up by the time this podcast comes out. So, uh, go to grownuprock.com, read my concert review. I snapped a couple photos. It's, it's cool. Uh, it's a pretty complete review. Uh, I go through the set list and everything. So that's awesome. So it's all cool. How about you, man? Did you, did you get any trouble this week? No, no trouble this week. Uh, just uh, a lot of driving. Had a couple of meetings and stuff. But uh, nope, uh, I am going to Michael Sweet on Saturday night, acoustic show. Oh, nice. Got six meet and greet passes. and uh, Where's that at? It's in Sacramento. Oh, okay. You taking your family or what? Well, uh, my family didn't all want to go. It is an all-ages show. So I'm taking my son, my best friend, and his brother, and then uh, his brother might be taking his son. So we got, we're going to do it upright. It should be a pretty tame show. Uh, you know, I, I love Striper and I really love Michael Sweet. So I'm looking forward to it. That's awesome. Snap a, snap a couple of selfies and throw them up on the website. Oh, yeah, I definitely will. Give them to me and I'll throw them up on the website. I got to set you up on the website too so you can get in there and do what you need to do. But, uh, but yeah, that'd be awesome. Uh, and, a, and, of course, give him our card and uh, a free guitar pick. <laughs> shameless promotion at all times shameless promotion at all times come tell us your rock and roll story michael sweet because i know you got one yeah uh that's cool awesome well so um uh this week uh we are doing our first installment of this ain't no disco and we are focusing on the year of 1978. So do you want to explain to the folks what Ain't No Disco is? Yeah, so we were we were co- trying to come up with some reoccurring series type things. We might have some other th- ideas in the works too, but there's so many years and the different years bring different emotions and different thought processes to each of us, right? So... 83 was my freshman year in high school, and that feels different than in 93 when, you know, I I was about to get married. You know, during that span of time, no matter what year it was, uh, the music was different. It connects differently. So what we wanted to be able to do is play whatever we want from whatever year we designate. We're not going to go in a row. So the next one you hear might not be 79. It might be 2009. We don't know. We're just going to kind of let it roll as it rolls, but uh, puts us in a situation to where we can pull, play some really cool music that maybe you haven't heard 
on the radio because in 78, I think the only thing on the radio was probably disco. Yeah. So, I mean, essentially, that's exactly right. Uh, Sonny hit the nail on the head. Uh, this uh, gives us the opportunity to play some kick-ass music, whatever we feel like, uh, just uh, in a specific year. Uh, and definitely, we won't be going in order just because... I don't think neither Sonny nor I really feel like doing that. We decided to start with 78 just because there was some kick-ass music in 78 uh, that came out. And for me, uh, 78 was kind of signifying um, the end of a disco era. Uh, so 78, 79 is kind of when disco was coming uh, to a closeout and um, some really, really good rock and roll was starting to come out in 78 and 79. So uh, I think that's uh, why we were going to do 78. That about uh, say it all, Sonny? Yeah, and for me, 78 is total rediscovery of music, right? I didn't even get into music until... 84, 85. So everything that I heard that's from this year was all after I had already heard some of the hair metal. So going back to see kind of where it started and, you know, I'm listening to Ingve, but then you go back and you hear Eddie Van Halen on the first album. And it's like, oh man, this was available in 78. Yeah. Wow. That's that's exactly right. So it's all it's all good. Um, we're gonna play some uh, cool stuff that we like. And and like Sonny said, I didn't even discover all this stuff in '78. I was still uh, fairly young at that point, so uh, I heard a little bit of it through my uh, brothers and sisters' record collection, and a little bit of it on AM radio, uh, but not a whole lot uh, for the most part. Uh, this is uh, choice cuts that I went back and discovered from records that came out at this time period once. I started getting into rock and roll in the 80s, so uh, it's killer. But hey, uh, before we get to that, though, um, let's uh, do the Crank It Up Spotlight. What do you think? Sounds good to me. You got a real good choice here. I haven't heard this music yet. Yeah, so the other day um, I picked up the new Lynch Mob record, Brotherhood. And wanted to give it um, a few listens before I was able to form an opinion. I'd already heard Main Offender and Jekyll and Hyde uh, were the two YouTube videos, I think, that came out. And so I'd heard those, but I wanted to give the full record a listen. And um, I've listened to it now probably two or three times all the way through. Uh, and I, I like it, man. It's, it's kind of a little bit heavier, maybe a little bit darker than rebel sort of bluesy. Uh, it's good, man. I mean, it's a good, good record. One of the tunes that I dig, uh, is what I'm going to pop on here. Um, uh, is a song called black heart days, uh, from brotherhood. So, uh, check this tune out.
Yeah, see, I like my lynch mob a little heavier. So they got that blues-based rock, and then you add lynch to it, and the heavier it gets, the more Badlands it gets, which when it starts getting in that vein, I really love my me some lynch mob then. Yeah, yeah, so no doubt. Cool. Yep, cool. All right, so before we get into this, we've got a little house cleaning to do, uh, Sonny. So um, let's ask the lovely Samantha to tell our fine listeners uh, where they can go to uh, enjoy our podcast and the help that we need from them. Everyone's got a rock and roll story to tell, and we want to hear yours. So go to our website at growinguprock.com. That's one word, G-R-O-W-I-N-U-P-R-O-C-K.com. Or visit us on our Facebook page at Growing Up Rock and tell us all about it. Please make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Growing Up Rock, and leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a like and leave us a comment on Facebook at Growing Up Rock. Thanks, Samantha. And uh, Sonny, there's a few people that have uh, uh, shared our podcast this past week. Uh, Steve Wright and the Potter Than Hell podcast. Thank you, Steve-O. Um, my lovely wife, Jennifer Dreis, has shared it. Uh, and Bill Algy from Ages of Rock. We just released a time capsule with Bill. And we got one coming up with Steve Wright uh, in the upcoming weeks. Yeah, I just heard the Bill story. It was good. Bill did a good job with that. Yeah, pretty cool. You can go to the website too, uh, grownuprock.com, and check out a picture that uh, Bill took with uh, Gene Simmons and his son. Pretty cool. Yeah, that's sweet. And uh, he just sent me a text. He uh, shared it with Gene Simmons, so he's hoping that Gene comments on it. Awesome. Yeah. Gene will probably say, why are you playing my music? <laughs> it's all good. I asked I asked Bill what he wanted uh wanted me to play on that and he uh he picked a definite deep kiss track. I can't even I can't even tell you what the song was. I can't remember something off of uh Dress to Kill, I think. First <laughs> album or Dress to Kill or something. Uh but I had to dig deep to pull that track out. Uh, so it's all good. Uh, well, hell, it's time to get into this, Sonny, because we got lots of music to play today. All right, so we're going to start the Ain't No Disco 78 version with a song from ACDC. So Powerage came out in 78. And uh, I haven't, uh, I know you did a podcast with uh, Decibel Geek talking about ACDC, and I've not talked about ACDC much uh, in really any anything that I've done so far. Because I'm kind of a, I'm a casual fan, but I like some deep cuts, if that makes sense. Well, um, I'm just the like, opposite. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I uh, I like some Bond Scott stuff, and then, you know, I, I like obviously some of the more uh, newer stuff too. But uh, Sin City from Powerage, that's, dude, we're talking about Vegas now. And uh, kids call it Daddy Disneyland. Like, I love Vegas. So any song that's about Vegas, I'm in. Because uh, this is my favorite place in the whole world. But uh, Bon Scott, I really d- do dig his voice. Uh, the only things about ACDC and Bon Scott is that not all the songs are super melodic. So I never got into it super heavy. But the songs I do like that Bon sings, I absolutely love. And Sin City is definitely one of them. Power Ridge may be one of my... <laughs> It's tough, man. That may be one of my favorite ACDC records, without a doubt. I mean, I really, really love Powerage. There's so much good shit on Powerage. So, 
Yeah, you won't get any complaints with you could you could throw a dart basically at this record and uh I would dig the majority of stuff that's on this record. Yeah, if you think about it, so take Let There Be Rock out of the mix cuz that was a compilation, right? So they went from Powerage to Highway to Hell to Back in Black. Yeah. That is a triple decker sandwich right there. That's why I love this band. <laughs> Not my favorite band, but definitely up there um with um among my favorites for sure i well, I don't have a favorite band i don't guess but um and then the other cool thing about sin city is i just love the breakdown in the middle where it's just bond you hear cliff playing the bass and there's a hi-hat and that's it and you really get kind of this groove part of the song um that's just completely stripped down which is really cool so let's play sin city by acdc Snakes take 
love it so love it there's nothing bad about that song and i mean just some of the other songs i mean what's next to the moon i played that on my introductory episode because i love this record so much and and a lot of it is full of deep tracks i mean this whole record is basically deep tracks you know but stuff like riffraff and and even gone shooting and rock and roll damnation down payment blues i mean god darn it i love this record (laughs) yeah it's uh you know like i said i'm not a huge acdc fan but these three albums um i could put them in hit shuffle and be happy yeah well that brings me to my first 78 release i am going to talk about the seventh studio album release from ufo uh we're talking about obsession this was produced by ron nevison released in 78 and of course they released strangers in the night in 79 which was um uh the killer live record that ufo did which kind of sort of broke them right they recorded it in chicago is great record but um they released some great stuff uh leading up to that uh live release and so uh obsession this was um the uh michael shanker version of ufo so in my opinion very great version of ufo uh and we're gonna play a tune off of ufo's obsession record called hot and ready what do you think of ufo sonny what's your deal on them i just never really got into them none Uh, of it uh, none of it Uh, the the musicianship uh, especially with shanker stands up to anything that was around between 75 and 95 as far as i'm concerned musicianship's awesome i just could never get into the vocal melodies at all i never liked phil's voice and just i just couldn't get into it yeah all right well fair enough hey we like what we like yeah so i'm gonna i'm gonna spin this uh song at my own uh liking then this is a song written by shanker and phil mogg uh and this is hot and ready (laughs) 
and see that's what I'm talking about. Like the guitars are awesome, the riff is awesome, the solo, the musicianship, all of it's great. But then the vocal melody just kind of eh to me. <laughs> Fair enough. Maybe that's why they were bigger than they were. <laughs> they they struggled. They were big overseas, but never quite broke in the states. So hey, it's all good. Well, what do you got for us? All right, so we're going to go to another British band that released their first album in 78, and that's the Mighty Whitesnake. So um, Trouble was technically the first studio album. They had an EP out there called Snakebite, and David Coverdale, after Deep Purple called it quits in 76, released a couple of solo albums that didn't go so well. So he kind of fired the whole band. He's known for doing that several times in his career and kind of started over came out with a band called White Snake and puts out an album. Now this is now we're talking 78. So if if you are a casual White Snake fan, this is not your 87 88 White Snake. 78 White Snake was very very deep purple blues based type White Snake. Yeah. A lot of you can't even call it keyboards. You have to almost call it organ, right? It's not really and it's heavy organ, like it's it's, uh, and I guess Deep Purple used to have a lot of that too. And uh, John Lord is in this album, but yeah, it's did you a ham and B three. Yeah, did you ever get into the early White Snake at all? I did not, not because I didn't try. I tried, but um, at times it was a little bit too, like you said, heavy, heavy organ oriented. And I like some of the earlier Deep Purple stuff, but. I have to take it in doses like I pick and choose what I like and and so I'm just much more of a guitar person uh, I like the guitar to be a little bit more out front so yeah I tried to get into some of the earlier white snake and and I haven't tried recently so it's one of those things that maybe uh, has grown on me over the course of time so I should check it out but um, hey Maybe uh, that's why I'm going to listen to this show and hear this white snake you're about to spin for us. Yep. So this one's a little more up tempo because some of the older white snake, some of it drags a little bit. Um, this one's a little more up tempo, and the song's called "Take Me With You."
Yep. Okay. Cool. Not too right. bad. Not too bad. So, you know, uh, I never got into Deep Purple that much. It was a little before my time. I, I've listened to some of it, but uh, didn't get into a ton of it. But if you think about it, for the folks that love Deep Purple, okay, they lost Purple, but they got Whitesnake and Rainbow out of it. You, right? Did you Which, not like any of the Purple with, with Glenn Hughes and, and um, Coverdale? I like some of it. I like some of it. Yeah. Um, not all of it. Uh, Soldier of Fortune, I'm in. Like that that kind of stuff. Yeah. But then some of it that got a little more mid-tempo to slower tempo, right. I wasn't into as much. Yeah, you got to pick and cheese. I agree. Yeah. I yeah. agree with and that. And this album was produced by Martin Birch. I mean, so they didn't get some bonehead. I mean, this you know this guy did Maiden later, right? So he knew what rock was supposed to sound like. Yeah, but check it out. The album's called Trouble. You know, if you like bluesy bass rock, it's it's really good. Right on. So is it my turn? Your turn, sir. Sweet. So I would be remiss if in 78 I did not talk about um, the mighty Judas Priest. I mean, come on. I got to talk about the priest. Priest is just now getting around. They're starting to come up. You know, they're doing their thing. And so in 78, Judas Priest decides to release their fourth studio album, uh, Stained Class. Now, to the casual Priest fan who only knows, you know, British Steel, Screaming for Vengeance, that kind of stuff, Defenders of the Faith. Turbo. Turbo. (laughs) Turbo. They may not have gone far enough back in the catalog, but there's some really good stuff back there. Uh, It's just hampered a little bit by production because production ain't what it is today, right? Uh, Right. So Stained Class, in my opinion, was one of those records that was hampered a little bit by production. I didn't love the production. It sounded a little bit dated to me, but that did not change the fact that there's some really good material on there. Uh, And of course, people that know about Stained Class know about the song better by you better than me right because this was this was a big controversial song that priest got sued over when the two kids committed suicide and they said that uh it was due to this song and backtracking delivering messages backwards for the teens to kill themselves what a bunch of shit especially since it's not their song yeah yeah well it it was it all came down to the recording process but yeah exactly so this is a cover song done by a band called spooky tooth and it was written originally by gary wright do you know that name sonny Oh, yeah, Dreamweaver. That guy, right? That's right. Gary Wright wrote Dreamweaver. He also wrote a song uh, that you and I both like called Love is Alive. And so he was the main guy in Spooky Tooth, and uh, he wrote this song, Better By You, Better Than Me, that Priest covered on Stained Class. So uh, that's the deal with this record. I'm not going to play this song. Um, even though Priest's version of it's pretty good, going to move on and play something else. I am going to play the lead-off track on this, um, which is Exciter, uh, written by Halford and Tipton. Uh, this is also on the Unleashed in the East live record, which I love that live record. Uh, I, I tore that cassette up as a kid. Um, but this is Exciter. Exciter. 
You mentioned that the production on that album is iffy, but I love Halford's tone on this album. Like it is so clean that it comes out aggressive and gritty. The whole album's like that, and uh, I, I I haven't really heard this album a lot until the other day, and I was like, you know what? This is a hidden gem. I don't think a lot of people listen to this album. Yeah, you gotta like it, man. That song's killer too. Yeah, uh, so I dig me some Priest. I'm a big Priest fan. They were one of one of my earlier bands. Uh, if I if I had to come back to uh, my earliest metal influences, they would be right up there. So what you got yeah. for us? All right, so we are going to talk about Quiet Riot. Dude, was that band around in '78? Yes, it was. Good Lord. And a lot of people would be surprised with that. So. And this is actually, they're about to release their second album in 78. The problem is they don't have a U.S. contract. So they can't get anybody to sign them. Now, is this the the Randy Rhodes version of Quiet Riot? Yep, 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 yep. Okay. So they got Randy Rhodes as a guitar player, but nobody knows who Randy Rhodes is yet. Right. And they can't get anybody to sign them because, as you'll hear with the song that we're going to play, some of it's great. But it's not really radio playable, and it's not really fitting into what the priests are doing and the ACDCs are doing. So they're kind of lost a little bit. So Sony signs them, but only releases it in Japan. And uh, as they're going through their trials and tribulations of what bands go through trying to get signed, Dubrow and the bassist Kelly Garney, they're at each other's throats. 
and Randy has to play like Peacemaker, and all he really wants to do is play guitar, but now he's got to play Peacemaker too, and he's getting sick of it. So this was actually the last album that Randy was on, and then he bounced and went to Ozzy. The production is not great on this album uh, because it almost sounds demo-worthy. So I think what ended up happening is they had it recorded. It is what it is. Just release it in Japan. Let it go. But then later on in the 2000s, they came back and remastered some of it. So that way it could it could uh, have consumption in the masses. Uh, the album's called QR2. The song we're going to play is called Killer Girls. This is not your radio hit, Quiet Riot. It almost sounds like two songs kind of jammed together. But I will tell you that from 113 to 125 and from 214 to the three-minute mark, Randy does guitar work on this that anybody in the 80s that I can think of would not have been able to copy. The guy was ripping. And this is, we're talking like November 78. I'm excited to hear this. Yeah, it is unbelievable. So it's called Killer Girls from QR2.
Right on. That's that's kind of cool to hear that. Now, now, who was in that version of Quiet Riot? So it's Debro, it's Benali, it's Rhodes, and who's playing bass? No Benali. So Kelly Garney is the bass player, and Drew Forsythe is the drummer. Oh, so Benali's not even in the picture yet. No. So what happens to Quiet Riot after Randy leaves is they're on hiatus until they come back. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Trip. All right. Awesome. Yeah. And I think... And this is just, you know, there's no fact to back this up. This is just my gut telling me this. Because Van Halen 1 came out at the early part of the year, this came out the late part of the year, I got a feeling Randy is hearing Eddie Van Halen and going, holy cow, what is that? Right? So I think Randy Rhodes gets a ton of credit for being one of the guitar gods, original guitar gods, up there with the Jimi Hendrix of the world, etc. But I think... If it wasn't for Eddie, I think Eddie made Randy step his game up. Yeah, that's possible for sure. Yeah. You don't hear a whole lot about the interaction between Randy and and Eddie, even though they were, um, you know, on the scene at the same time, both California guys in L.A., but you don't hear a whole lot about that. You hear more about the Eddie-George Lynch connection. There's a lot of interaction with uh, George Lynch and Eddie Van Halen at that period of time. So that's awesome. All right, my turn. Yep. So I'm going to go a little left of center here. Um, uh, As I said in the beginning when we started this podcast, it wasn't necessarily about all heavy metal and and, uh, hard rock bands, even though I kind of consider a lot of this band hard rock. It's it's guitar-driven rock to me. Um, And we are going to throw sticks in in the mix. You like sticks? I like uh, I like sticks. I like Tommy Shaw better than Dennis DeYoung, but uh, yeah. Dennis DeYoung definitely had um, some songs that wouldn't have sounded the same unless it was Dennis DeYoung. So uh, yeah, I like sticks. Yeah, I'm I'm a, I'm on along the same lines as you for the most part, but in '78, Sticks releases Pieces of Eight. Now, Pieces of Eight, in my opinion, is probably their best record. Um, I mean, between that and Grand Illusion, they released Grand Illusion uh, a year earlier. Pieces of Eight second is the follow-up to that. It's their A studio album. And this record contains Renegade. <laughs> it contains Blue Collar Man. That alone, I mean, that alone makes the, the record worthy. Those two songs alone. Two Tommy Shaw classics. I mean, uh, they're still... Stu- my two favorite sticks out uh, songs. Oh yeah. I mean, they're still being played today in the set, both those songs, but I'm not going to play those because you can hear those on rock radio. We've heard them a million times. Love them. Still love them today. 
I am going to go with a song that was written by our friend JY and Dennis DeYoung. Um, and this is a song called Queen of Spades. Do you know this tune? So I thought you weren't a ballad guy. The first two minutes of this song is straight up boo-hoo ballad. And, and that's why I'm going a little left of center. So you're right. It has a nice, mellow intro. It does. But this song means a little bit something to me. So this song is kind of special to me. And here's why. Back in the 80s, um, I was working with a bar band, and we were the house band uh, over the summer at this uh, nightclub. And it was some of the best time of my life. I, I had just graduated high school, um, and it was just killer time. Well, the band I was working with worked a version of this up, uh, and it was really the first time I'd ever heard this song. Even though I was kind of a Sticks fan and had heard other Sticks, I hadn't had heard all of it. So when the singer suggested, hey, let's do this, and he had the voice to do this song, I was like, all right, let, let's hear it. Man, it was awesome. This song is really killer, man. Yeah, it's mellow at the beginning, but it kicks in and rocks at the end. So I dig this song, man. Smile. 
Yeah, I really like that song. That's that's a great pick. Um, I hadn't heard that song in a while, but the, that it is musical theater, though. You got to say it's musical <laughs> theater. But, theater. Um, but it is a good song. See, there's a song where Tommy would have sang that. It wouldn't have sounded the same. <laughs> that's right. true. That's absolutely so, true. But Tommy can't sing everything. That's true, too. So, <laughs> All right. Um, what you got for us? All right. So kind of like what we talked about before, Purple Breaks Up. People are starting to go their own ways. And uh, Rainbow gets created. By Mr. Blackmore. So in 78, Long Live Rock and Roll was released by Rainbow. Mm-hmm. And um, it's Rainbow's third studio album, but it's the last one to get with Dio. So I think Dio and Richie were starting to rub each other kind of the wrong way. Uh, this got released in April, and it wasn't long after that Dio kind of sought out his own thing. Uh, the band is pretty solid at this point because it's Dio, Blackmore, Cozy Powell, Bob Daisley. Like, I mean, that's... Four classic guys. Yep. Right. Producers Martin Birch. So you got the Deep Purple guy and the uh, To Be Maiden guy. The song's written by Blackmore, Dio, and Powell. So it's written by the right people. And um, when I was doing a little bit of research, I heard it labeled as the first power metal song. So when I listened to it again, I'm like, you know what? This is the first power metal song. So the song that we're going to play is. Kill the King. Kill the King. I love this tune. Yep. Let's roll it.
up, baby. Yeah, I'm not a huge Blackmore guy, but the solo on that song is pretty cool. And I would say that's my second favorite Rainbow song, because my favorite Rainbow song is actually Man on the Silver Mountain. But uh, Man, Rainbow's got a lot of killer tunes, man. I yeah. love uh, a Long Live Rock and Roll and oh, Man yeah. on the Silver Mountain terror uh woman and there's some good shit man you need to go back and and kind of listen to a lot of that uh rainbow stuff there's there's some really good rock and stuff out there yeah um, i'm still rediscovering it a little bit because i i thought the rainbow all of rainbow was jolyn turner no so i didn't know that and then as I start kind of going back, I'm like, oh, Rainbow has all kinds of different incarnations. Yeah, for sure. And and I mean, did you not know that Dio was was in that originally? I knew, but afterwards. So I had heard Street of Dreams first, right? So I'm like, oh, wow, this is cool. And then I kind of got into Jolene Turner. I'd already heard Dio from his solo stuff. And then as I kind of went back, I'm like, oh, wow, Dio's been in other stuff. Yeah, man. And that's when I started discovering it yeah graham bonnet i think was also in rainbow at one point in time yeah i tried some of that stuff that was a tougher listen for me all night long is good since you since you've been gone um but you got like um you know joe lynn turner which is you know power and street of dreams and and uh um jealous lover is an awesome tune i love jealous lover kill the king gates of babylon man there's some good shit uh, for sure out there uh, and try rainbow rising that's a good record as well all right so there you go that's, that's so your next pick is the classic of classics i see i mean come on my next pick is the number one debut release in 78 there's no if and or buts about it maybe the number one release in 78 as far as i'm concerned um, and we're talking about the debut record from the mighty Van Halen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. And you picked a song that's not exactly my fave on that album, but it's, it's a good song. But Dude, I picked so many better songs on that. Album. Yeah, but here's the thing, right? This song kicks ass, and you don't get to hear this song enough. I mean, I went back and forth. I could have played any damn song off this record. It would have been fine. But how many times have you heard Running With The Devil, You Really Got Me, Jamie's Crying, Ain't Talking About Love? You heard it all a million times. And so I, I went back and forth between this song and um, uh, I'm The One, because I love I'm The One. Um, but at the end of the day, and this is going to kind of tie into my next pick. And so that's why I picked this song. But, um, the song I'm going with is the 11th and final track on the debut record, which is a song called on fire and Van Halen, uh, when they went to do their first tour in 78, uh, opening for black Sabbath, they opened with this song. So here we go, Rocket.
Now that's one of the heavier Van Halen tunes out there. That's true. That's true. I would say my favorite Van Halen tune on that album is I'm the one. I, I love I'm the one, but but then again, I mean, is is there anything not I love on that record? <laughs> I love that's it. true. I love it all, so you know. Yeah, that's a great song. Hey, it's Van Halen. What can you say? <laughs> not only is it Van Halen, but it's Van Halen one. So there yeah. you go. All right, so my last pick is a band that's talked about in music circles a lot. I think Axl Rose uh, used to talk about these guys a lot as influences, maybe. Um, But it's a band called Rose Tattoo, and believe it or not, they're still around. They're still out there playing. These guys just never really made it. There's people say they should have been bigger. They all wrote songs together, but in the end... They're still around. They've had 31 different members, and they've got basically like five studio albums. And uh, uh, Rose Tattoo, the first album, self-titled, came out in November of 78, Australian band. And the bass player uh, that that played in ACDC during Dirty Deeds is actually now in Rose Tattoo, Mark Evans. He's actually in the band now. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, But the song that we're going to play is called One of the Boys.
right. Two ACDC type bands from uh, from Sunny in one episode. What the hell is going on here? So, all right. Rose Tattoo. Yep, I dig it. Yeah, it's simple riff. More about vocal melody and attitude than anything else. But to me, it's actually more melodic ACDC. Sometimes ACDC can get very, like, anthem and just kind of attitude. And it's not always melodic. But Rose Tattoo seems to be a little more melodic to me. You say that like it's a bad thing. I didn't say it's a preference thing. It sounded negative to me. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So <laughs> now it's on to me. Remember when I told you the last pick Van Halen sort of plays into my um, final pick? Yep. All right, so my final pick is Black Sabbath. They released their eighth studio album, which was the final album with the original lineup, Never Say Die, name of the record. And part of what was destroying Black Sabbath, other than the fact that those dudes were doing so much drugs and drinking so much alcohol at that point in time that they didn't probably know whether they were coming or going, um, is the fact that they decided to uh, take uh, a little unknown band from Pasadena called Van Halen out on tour to open up for them. Uh, yeah, that, that didn't work out that great for them. <laughs> Black Sabbath, that is. It worked out fine yeah. for Van Halen. Yeah. So Van Halen, I mean, you can go back and, uh, and read the... There's been a bunch of stories that have been written about that tour in particular because uh, Van Halen just essentially mopped the floor with Black Sabbath on that tour. <laughs> so they opened up the tour in Manchester, and one of the things I read was um, the tour got off to a rocky start because uh, Black Sabbath on the opening date, they did sound check. They came off stage. Van Halen went on stage and started busting out a bunch of Black Sabbath tunes. for their sound check and it was done out of tribute because they said that van halen were really big fans of sabbath eddie loved iomi and um so they liked sabbath they were in awe of sabbath but tony iomi took it the wrong way and thought they were basically rubbing it in their face and and you know just kind of making fun of sabbath so they didn't take that very well to get off the track but they ended up kind of becoming friends and um uh they said oftentimes alex van halen would sit behind bill ward on stage while he was playing just to kind of watch him play uh during the tour so they became friends along the way but um the tour got off to kind of a rocky start because of that whole sound check thing uh which i thought was kind of interesting but yeah, in the end, Van Halen just mopped Black Sabbath up. But one of the Black Sabbath tunes that I really love off of this record is the title track, Never Say Die. I've always liked this song. I think it's got an awesome melody. Uh, and I just dig this. It's a little different than the typical Black Sabbath stuff. And this record has some good material on it. But overall, this record has stuff that maybe is a little bit different than the average black sabbath stuff so uh what what do you think sonny you can actually sing along to this song like it a uh, uh, a casual music fan rock fan would know it's ozzy but would never guess this is black sabbath yeah are you a sabbath fan at all 
I'm hit and miss. I, I like uh, I like some of the hits. Yeah. Some of the like fairy wear boots. Like that's a little fairies wear boots. That gets a, yeah. That yeah. gets a little deep cut for me. Yeah. Uh, but uh, and it's weird if if I like a song like this album, I like the entire album. But then there's some albums I don't listen to a single song on that album. Right. But it was a little before my time. But it's just the dreary. Like I got to be in a mood. Yeah. It's that dreary playing the Sabbath usually does is what kind of gets me down. Yeah, and this song really isn't like that, so yeah, I like this. Never say die. Here you go.
say that's one of my fave Black Sabbath tunes. It just it's a little more upbeat. Yeah, have you heard the uh have you heard the live version on um Speak of the Devil? Oh yeah. Yeah, I love Speak of the Devil. Yeah, that's a that's that's a cool uh version of it as well. Awesome. Well, so um there's a few other mentionables. Um or no, we still got you or or that's it. We're done. No, uh, yeah, no, we're, done. we're done. That's it. Yeah. All right. There's tons of more stuff. There's a lot of other stuff that came out in 78 that we should uh that we should mention. So Scorpions put out Tokyo Tapes in 78, which was you know, still today is regarded as one of their best live albums. I, I never could really get into it. It was a little bit too early for me, that Uli John Roth stuff. Um, so I didn't really love Tokyo Tapes that much. What about you, Sonny? Yeah, I'm blackout and newer. Yeah. Yeah, the older Scorpion stuff I didn't really get into. Yeah, I picked it up around Love Drive myself. but yeah. um, And then uh, Journey released uh, Infinity. Uh, which was a, a great journey record that had lights on it and uh, any way that you want it, which I that's like. a classic yeah. album. Exactly. Um, Thin Lizzy, another live album, Live and Dangerous. Uh, that was also regarded as one of the best Thin Lizzy records. It um, is, in my opinion, because the Thin Lizzy studio records were a little slow for me, yeah. and the the live picked it up a little bit, and it was a better album. Thin Lizzy has some good studio stuff like uh, Renegades. They just remastered Renegades and released it. So Renegades and um, uh, the stuff with John Sykes, Thunder and Lightning. Yeah. that's There's some good stuff on there if you uh, are interested in checking out uh, some Thin Lizzy that you might dig. Uh, those are good uh, records. Uh, so here's a huge one. Foreigner releases Double Vision. Fantastic record awesome awesome i like foreigner i'm a big fan of foreigner man what about you oh i'm uh, then and now yeah foreigner they were the ballad kings i love foreigner what you talking about yeah it's their rock <laughs> shit that i like though double vision <laughs> blue monday uh it's good shit on on that uh double vision record uh, you didn't like i don't want to live without you dude no i don't like that shit <laughs> I do not. That is not the foreigner that I like. Uh, and then um, Boston released the follow-up to their debut record, Don't Look Back. So um, Don't Look Back, I, I thought was a fantastic follow-up. I like Boston. I mean, um, those first two Boston records uh, are classic albums, in my opinion. Uh, and then you heard uh, uh, at the beginning, the intro to the episode, uh, I busted out a little party for you. Uh, so there you go. Uh, Boston, don't look back. You a Boston fan, Sonny? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's hard not to be. Uh, Delp has got an incredible voice. But, I mean, think about it. Infinity, Double Vision, Don't Look Back, Van Halen 1. I mean, 78. It would You would have had a hard time competing in 78 if you were a new act. Right. And a lot of that stuff, I mean, today, um, these bands, a lot of that stuff is considered classic today, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. It was, to me, it was kind of the dawning of, of straight up rock and roll, hard rock, harder edged rock and roll, guitar rock, whatever you want to call it. But to me, that's kind of uh, the, the dawn of that stuff happened in 78, in my opinion. But hey, Awesome. So 
that uh, that's going to do it for uh, 78, except for the fact that it's uh, what time, Samantha? It's time for your Kiss Dork Moment on Growing Up Rock. All right, so our Kiss Dork Moment, well, 78 was the year the solo albums were released. The four Kiss solo albums all shipped platinum. Nobody knows if they sold platinum that that's that's pretty sure folks. they didn't no, we're pretty sure they didn't uh pretty sure that that we're not going to be able to play anything <laughs> off any of these records except for back in the new york group <laughs> <laughs> so you know most uh well hardcore kiss fans they'll love anything kiss puts out a lot of kiss fans they have you know they kind of put gene and peters in one group solo album and then Paul's and Aces and the other group and then there's always been a debate about whether Paul's is better or Aces is better uh, we've had that debate I like Paul's better you like Aces better I think Paul's is probably a little more toned down ballady and that's probably why I like it better where Aces definitely is more rocking and I, I like Aces too so we decided to pick a song off of Aces that really never gets played um, and uh, we're going to pick Snowblind.
yeah, baby. Space Ace. That's what I'm talking about right there, Sonny. That is one of my favorite all-time Ace solos. Because he he actually kind of goes off a little bit, and there's no real rules on his solo album. And it's interesting that the, the riff starts out so lazy. Right? It's so lazy. Um, but then it picks up during the solo time, and it goes back lazy. It's total Ace. Yep. Totally killer, man. I dig that tune. That's that's awesome. You don't hear that one very often. So way to dig that one up. All right, Sonny. Well, before we start wrapping things up, um, we need to get people to uh, help us out. And I know you're sitting there thinking, well, how can people help us out? And you say to yourself, self, how can people help growing up rock? Well, Sonny, here's what they can do. They could take a simple trip to Facebook, which they probably go to anyway, and like our Facebook page, at Growing Up Rock. They can write us a review on our Facebook page. They can give us feedback. You guys blow. You guys are awesome. I'd like to hear this. I'd like to hear that. I'd like to see an episode on this. Here's my rock and roll story. Or they could go to the website, growinguprock.com, And they could write the story in the contact section. Very simple, very easy to use. And maybe we'll bring them on the podcast and give them their own time capsule episode. Maybe we can do some of those things. Or maybe they'll just share our podcast with some of their rocking friends. What do you think, Sonny? You got any suggestions for our listeners out there? (laughs) I think those are a ton of suggestions that are easily usable. And I get feedback every once in a while. You probably do, too. I got some feedback today. I, and I don't know this for sure, but uh, Stephen, are you a Foo Fighters fan? I do like the Foo Fighters, yes. Okay. So uh, this this guy I work with now in Wisconsin, his name is Joe. Great guy. He's a new fan. He's been listening to our podcast. He listened to the ADD episode and told me, number one, that I forgot to mention that Pearl Jam 10 was a classic album. And then he said, do you like the Foo Fighters? And I'm like, I can't get into the Foo Fighters. And he's like, oh, my God, I have to stop listening to the podcast. Joe, Stephen likes the Foo Fighters, so I apologize for not liking the Foo Fighters, but one of us does, so there you go. I like the Foo Fighters, (laughs) little Joe. I'll figure out a way to get some Foo Fighters in there. I don't love everything, but I like the majority of the stuff. I, I think that he writes some good melodies, so, yeah, I dig the Foo Fighters. I mean, um but I love hearing from the fans, and I love you know new fans giving us a shot. So uh, I appreciate people checking us out. Yeah, hopefully they'll they'll uh, share and get into it and give us feedback and you know whatever. I mean we're just we're just talking rock and roll. That's all, and and rock that we grew up on, and sharing some of our stories. And we'd love to share some of your stories with people. And uh, it's just a good time. I mean, it's not like. Uh, it's not like somebody's paying us to do it, man. We're just here to try and bring some entertainment to uh, to folks, uh, and that's it. It's as simple as that. So, you know, like us, share us, follow us, do all those things on social media that helps build the foundation. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, we do want to build a foundation. I mean, we want to build our listeners, and nobody wants to just do this for nobody, you know. Uh, if that was the case, me and Sonny just jump on the phone and talk to each other. <laughs> but we're talking to you folks and sharing our thoughts with you guys. So there you go. Sonny, you have anything else to add? 
No, just uh, thank you for the support. Keep tuning in. It's my time to do shake, rattle, and roll. And I just hit shuffle on the iPod because I knew it was my turn. And I'm not going to tell you what song we're going to play, but I'm going to tell you it's going to sound like 1978, but it was actually released in the year 2000. So enjoy the shake, rattle, and roll pick. There you go. Until next week, our fond listeners. This is Stephen Michael. And this is Sonny Pooney saying, catch you later. Peace out. Get ready to shuffle, rattle, and roll. Play us out, boys. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.